0: this time, all elementary and middle school students can be dismissed to their classrooms. I was not planning on saying anything that I'm about to say the next minute, but Bob told me before service that I should be honest Because we like to be vulnerable here at Wellspring, so that's what I'm going to do. My wife, Sarah, and I have been um, struggling the past couple weeks. We received some really difficult news kind of in regards to some of our family, and so we are drained. Um, I'm drained emotionally and physically. I do not want to be up here today, okay? Okay. There is nothing in me that wants to deliver a sermon today. I would much rather be sitting in the pews, and so I apologize if I'm not as sharp or funny as I might be sometimes. Maybe you think I'm never sharp, and that's <laughs> that's all right too. Hey, I'll take it. Um, maybe I'm yeah, maybe I'm not. But it was it was funny. I told Bob I was like, you know, if we only preached when like life was going well, it might be like one sermon a year, right? So that's just the reality of living in a fallen world, so I'll take any grace and support you guys want to give me today. Um, the past couple of weeks, we have been diving into our "If You Love Me" series, and we have looked at how um, this topic of obedience is really difficult for us as Americans, isn't it? Nobody tells us how we should live. That's what we tend to think. but we're talking about obeying and disobeying God Almighty, okay? There are eternal consequences in regards to whom we pledge our allegiance. In week one, Bob laid out three key truths around this topic. The first is that God is creator, and that we are here by his choosing. Second is that his desire is to bless us and to, uh, and to provide more than enough for us. And number three, he expects us to follow his commands. And obedience to God is not simply about following his rules. It's about whether or not we trust that he's good. Okay? That's at the heart of obedience. He cares about why we choose to obey him and the motives that drive us. That's what matters to him. Last week, we examined the cost of our disobedience. There are consequences to our sin. Most of us, it looks like blame, shame, or hiding. The price we pay for our disobedience impacts our physical bodies, literally, our mental, emotional, spiritual health, and it impacts all of our relationships. Bob said the ripple effect of our sin is always more profound than we want to imagine. It's been kind of a hard dose of reality the past few weeks, but today we're going to shift gears a little bit in ways that hopefully um, come across a little more hopeful for us. So we're going to look at a few heroes of the Bible, and they are not heroes um, because they were perfect, because they certainly had their flaws, but they're heroes because of their radical obedience to God, okay? So I want to start off with a fun question. So here it is, and I want some feedback. What is the craziest thing you've ever obeyed that made the least sense? Like, is there something you can look back on your life that God called you to do and you're like, that was nuts. What is the craziest thing God ever asked you to do that you actually obeyed? So the floor's open. Let's not, you know, go on long rants explaining it, just kind of the short version. The craziest thing God ever asked you to do that you actually did. What's that? Playing music in front of a bunch of strangers. Okay. Putting yourself out there. Very, yeah, very. I don't know who that is. Oh, Rachel. Adopting and having a baby four months later. Adopting and having a baby four months later. Wow. Yes. Yeah. That could be a little overwhelming. Goodness. Yes, Renee. I was on a plane once and God told me to give the book I was reading to the guy next to Okay. She was on a plane once and God told her to give the book she was reading. Next to the person next to her, that could be super awkward. <laughs> yes, yes. What else? Starting a church from scratch. Starting a church from scratch? <laughs> I'm sure that seemed very crazy. Absolutely. Oh, man, that's good. All right, so let's look at some of these heroes. Open your Bibles with me to Genesis 6. I think it's just page 8 if you're using a Pew Bible. This is the story of Noah. It's pretty cool. Sarah and I named our, um, our son Noah. So this is the first time I've got to teach about Noah's life. Genesis um, chapter 6, starting in verse 9 through 22. This will be the longest uh, passage we read today. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. And this is how you are to build it. We're going to talk about this in a minute, so check this out. The ark's to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening, one cubit high around. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and to store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Okay, this story is bizarre. Okay, so the world had gone to pots. Okay, gone to pots. God wants to wipe out humanity because their hearts were so far from him. He wants to start over just with Noah and his family. So put yourself in Noah's shoes. So God comes to you. Hey, bro. Hey, ma'am. I want you to build this massive structure. Okay? Okay. And we're going to just put your family in it and a bunch of animals, and everyone else is going to die. So if you could build this thing, that would be great. And I have a reference for how big this ark is. This is an actual life-size photo of it. I think this is in Kentucky. 510 feet long, 85 feet wide, and 51 feet high. Most people believe it took him over 50 years to build it. We're talking a lifetime of work that he gave to this. Okay, this is something you can't keep on the down low, right? If he was going to obey God, people would know. You are not hiding that baby in your backyard, okay? The whole town, the whole country would have been talking about it. And you can imagine some of the comments and, you know, the ridicule that Noah received. Hey, bro, you know, he's 50 years in. Hey, man, when's that water coming? What an idiot, right? On and on for 50 years, I'm sure he was mocked. It would have been easy for, not, for him to not trust God and his goodness to provide. Think of all the reasons he would have had for doubting God. He could have laughed at his request to build something that massive. He probably questioned why God would kill his creation, even though they were corrupt. I'm sure that was a tough one. He probably had a hard time believing that the whole earth would actually be flooded all land would be completely not visible anymore. Lots of different reasons that he could have chose to not trust in God. But verse 22 says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And from his obedience, humanity was given a fresh, clean start. A new beginning was given to mankind, and all of us are here today. We are all beneficiaries of Noah's obedience. And God made a covenant with Noah um, that he would never again flood the earth. And the sign of this covenant, as many of you know, is a rainbow that we get to experience. And rainbows are awesome and they're beautiful. And that was the sign God gave him. And for us to trust and know that never again would our earth be flooded. Something interesting happens if you read four or five verses down. After this dialogue between Noah and God about this covenant and the rainbow, we find Noah drunk, okay? It's quite a turn in the story. Not only was he drunk, but we find him lying naked in his tent, completely exposed. And many people believe that with Noah's drunkenness came sexual misconduct, as those two can go pretty well together, right? So Noah's life really is kind of a strong warning to those of us who have been walking with Jesus for many years. Perhaps in our pride, we think that we've got some things figured out. Goodness. Not a fan of Noah. We've got some things figured out, we can think. Or that maybe our ability to reject temptation is quite a bit stronger than those that are younger or weaker in their faith. Noah obeyed God the vast majority of his life, no doubt about it. But even he was flawed and he stumbled. So we can be inspired by his obedience to do something that crazy. and We can also be comforted in knowing that God is not looking for perfect people. He's just looking for people who will say yes, people who will say yes, even when it doesn't make sense, people who will say, God, wherever you go, I'll go, even if I can't wrap my mind around it. Let's look at our second hero. Turn over a few pages to Genesis 12. I'm going to look at the story of um, Abraham, Abram, Abraham, same name, same person here. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. Says the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. So God comes to Abraham. Says, hey, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to bless you. Everyone's going to be blessed through you. It sounds like peaches, right? It sounds awesome. But God told him to leave his country, leave his home and go to this new land that you would be revealed along the way and I love verse 4 it says so Abram went as the Lord told him it doesn't say that he counted the cost of leaving his friends behind or that he counted the cost of leaving behind this comfortable life that he had built and what was familiar it says that he went God called he obeyed and if you keep reading about Abraham's life, you'd come across some crazy stuff, okay? God wanted to bless the world through him. And the sign that would be used to signify this blessing would be circumcision. So let's talk about painful obedience for a minute, okay? Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. Think about that, dudes. Yeah, 99 years old. Most likely, he did it himself. (laughs) and some type of like literally a stone blade in the shape of an arrowhead which is kind of cool was most likely used so you can imagine kind of cool hey i'm trying to make some fun out of it you can imagine hey advil tylenol any type of pain reliever none none of that existed okay we're talking intense it would have been a lot easier for him to say Hey, if you want to bless me, that's cool, but not that way, right? He said yes, even though it was painful and awkward and difficult. Consider the story of Abraham and his son Isaac. Most of you are familiar with this. God says, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac, take him to this mountain. And so Abraham went. It says he got up the next morning, packed his supplies, took his son. They traveled for a couple days. Got to the spot on the mountain. Abraham builds the altar, lays his son Isaac on the altar, who I'm sure is just freaking out at this moment, trying to figure out what's going on. Abraham raises the knife. God, in that moment, as he's about to strike his son, says, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a finger on him. Do not harm him. Now I know that you fear me. Because you did not withhold from me your son, your only son. Guys, this is radical obedience. Okay? There are times in my life where God's nudging me not to do anything remotely that hardcore. He's nudging me to be more generous with my energy, my time, my money, my resources, my family. Or he's calling me to step into relationship with someone who I know is hurting And I know approaching that person is going to demand a lot from me, okay? It's going to consume a lot of time and energy. It is so much easier for me to say, yeah, I'm good. If you could ask someone else to help that person, that would be great. I don't want to carry that burden. But guys, when I do that, I'm the one that misses out on the opportunity to be blessed and to experience growth And healing through my obedience. Other people are not able to experience growth and freedom when I reject the invitation to lean into relationship with someone or to do something difficult, like give a stranger a book or start a church, right? Guys, Abraham was asked to literally sacrifice his son, and he did not hesitate. None of us are probably going to be asked to do something that crazy, all right? He obeyed immediately. I love, he, it It does not say that Abraham prayed about it and kind of pondered it a little bit. He obeyed immediately. Check out some of these verses describing his obedience. I've got a few slides here. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would let, later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. God told Abraham, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. By faith, Abraham obeyed and he went. Because obedience is an act of faith. Or perhaps I love how Christina Rossetti put it. Obedience is the fruit of faith. If we don't have faith in God or trust that he's good, then we will certainly not obey him when he calls us to do difficult things, okay? We will run, we will hide, we will pray that he'll ask somebody else to step into that. Good fruit allows others to flourish when we have faith and trust that he's good. Abraham was explicitly told, all nations will be blessed because you obeyed me. And as centuries went on, we we discover that Jesus Christ was a descendant of Abraham. The son of God was born through his family lineage. He became the father of the nation of Israel, which is where Jesus primarily lived throughout his life and ministry. And all of us that claim the Christian faith today can trace our beginnings back to Abraham. But it's important to consider that, man, he was not perfect either, okay? I want to be clear, and all these dudes we're going to look at today, they were messed up and broken in different ways. So consider the time when Abraham and his wife, Sarah, were really old, like in their 80s or 90s, yeah, I think, and he said, yeah, all all the earth's going to be blessed through your offspring. Well, it's, it's hard to Be blessed through your offspring when you don't even have offspring, right? And they're laughing and kind of just waiting like, yeah, when are we going to get pregnant? So they came up with a plan to kind of subvert God's plan. And they had Abraham sleep with his wife's servant, a woman named Hagar, and he got her pregnant. And so they were going to kind of claim that child as their own. And it was a scandalous way for them to take control. To get what they want and what they felt they deserved. And so like many of us, when life ain't going our way, right, we try to take control. We manipulate people. We reach for anything we do to get what we want. Check out this quote from um, St. Augustine. So the cost of obedience is small compared with the cost of disobedience. Woo-hoo. Imagine if Noah had not obeyed God. There's a chance none of us would be here. Humanity could have just been wiped out for all. Think about the cost of disobedience for Abraham and his wife Sarah. So the woman that was pregnant, Hagar, God came to her and said, Hey, you're pregnant with a son through Abraham. But he's going to be a wild man whose hand, his hand will be against everyone. Everyone will be against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. That sounds pretty rough. That is not a peaceful or a very enjoyable life. This was some of the cost of Abraham's disobedience. Deuteronomy 28 tells us that we will be blessed if we obey the Lord and cursed if we disobey. So God is clear follow him and live life to the full, reject him. And live a life that falls far short of what he has planned for you. And what he desires for you. And when it comes to obeying and disobeying God, most of us, maybe some of us do, most of us don't flat out reject God's commands. We just don't fully obey them. So check this out. I got a quote by this old Scottish pastor named Ebenezer Erskine. Sweet name. It says, so often we give God a partial obedience. We do not dare to disobey, but we do not care to obey fully. So we compromise. We do some of what we should, thus removing the stigma of disobedience. But we refrain from the most difficult or objectionable or uncomfortable part. And thus try to get the best of both worlds. Go ahead and leave that up for a minute. I want to get your guys' thoughts, maybe just a few of you. How have you seen this to be true in your life? Why do we, why do you think partial obedience is somehow acceptable? What do you think? Justin? Yeah, that's good. He's saying partial obedience. A lot of times we do that to look good in front of our family or friends, church community. And it's, hey, if other people are saying good job, then we must be really obeying God. Yeah, that's good. Anyone else? Aaron. Aaron. deeply as they can then you can just become kind of like, well, I'm just not hearing the prompting, Mm. And hearing so it's almost like you just become numb to the full amount of what God is asking you to do so then we're like deceived. Like to just think, yeah, I'm being obedient. Um, I'm just not really in tune with the deep quality of obedience. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. She said when you know, when we don't live really in tune, when we don't walk with the spirit, we can't even hear the the full call of God, or even really fathom that, let alone be obedient to it because we're not aware of it. Good. My struggle is that I have a tendency, this is my fault, I have a tendency to think that I've already done enough or I'm already doing enough, that I kind of have an out, okay, when God asks me to do something, whether it's, yeah, give more time, money, energy, whatever it might be to something, I can think, hey, what about those other people? What? They're not that generous, right? Spend time with that person. Like, let somebody else invest in that guy. That will require too much. Or I can think because of the nature of my job and those of us kind of in the people field, I already give so much. I just need, I just need me time. Me time needs to fill my evenings and fill my weekends while other people around us continue to hurt that is not a posture of humility, not a posture of gratitude for what he's done for me. And a big issue in believing that, my, is, is believing that my obedience is not for God. It's a life to be lived with God. That's a difference. There's a difference there. It's not that I obey him out of a sense of obligation, but we obey because we desire a life of intimate relationship with him. Scripture makes it clear that God commands complete, not partial, obedience. Obedience to God is an essential element of a covenant relationship with him. If we love him, we will be like him. Plain and simple. Look at how scripture tells us to live. Got a few more slides here. It says, I gave them this command. Obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. I think we have one more. Yes. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good. Last week, Bob took some time and talked about the the Bible hero, Moses. Moses is another one of those guys. This is the last one we're going to look at that we can kind of put on a pedestal, those men of faith. But man, he was flawed too, okay? Moses had a temper, okay? He was an angry person. He actually killed somebody. So he was a murderer, probably not his proudest moment. Moses questioned why God would ask him to be the leader of the Israelites, to lead them out of Egypt, and to approach Pharaoh and say, hey, can you let these two, three million people go that are your slaves? Moses had a stuttering problem, okay? He was not a good speaker. He was slow of speech. He was not eloquent. He wrestled with unbelief that God could actually use him. He had immense thoughts of insecurity. How could he, a guy that couldn't even talk, approach probably the most powerful man in the world and say, hey, if if you could go ahead and give me a couple million of those slaves of yours, that'd be great. Who was he? And for Moses and many of us, our disobedience comes when we see things through the lens of our perceived capacity. Right? Our perceived capacity skill set we put ourselves in a box we put God in a box and we fail to see that he is God he can enlarge our capacity he can give us courage and strength that we cannot fathom or ever be able to muster up on our own like we talked about last week in the midst of his unbelief and insecurity God showed immense faithfulness to Moses he led two and a half people out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea. Waters parted on both sides. We can't even fathom that. God provided for them where to go through a cloud and fire by night. He, food came down from heaven. I mean, this stuff just is ridiculous. Food came down from heaven. God provided water out of a rock. Miracle after miracle. They could not doubt his goodness. And after the Lord um, gave Moses the Ten Commandments, we come across this passage here. It says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, God's laws, God's guidelines should be written on our hearts. Living the way of Jesus should happen in our parenting as we hang out in our living room, as we're taking walks, as we're working our jobs, as we're lying down, waking up in the morning. There's this really fascinating discovery in Exodus 40. Um There's a repeating statement that's made about Moses and how he obeyed the Lord. Eight different times in that chapter, it says that Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Eight different times. He submitted and continued to submit to God every way. And it kind of got me thinking, Bob said, man, this would be a good question to ask too. And I was like, ooh, this is good. So think about this. Could God write a chapter about a season in your life where you did just as he commanded. Could God write a chapter about a season in your life and you did just as he commanded you? Guys, as we come to the communion table here in a few minutes, the question for us is not isn't whether or not God's good. That's been answered. The question is how we will re- how will we respond to his goodness, okay? Will we obey him and let fruit come from our lives? Will other people be blessed from our obedience? Or Consider this. Consider how you've been blessed through the obedience of others. How have you tasted the sweet fruit of people who have said yes to God throughout your life? God wants to use us to bring healing and flourishing to this city and beyond. We get the privilege of partnering with him in those endeavors. And guys, that is an honor. That is a joy. Okay? Let's be people that say yes to him. Be people that say yes so that others can know that he is good and that he is God. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Lord, you are so good. God, we love you. God, help us to be people of full obedience to you. God, not, not partial obedience, not half obedience, God, but people that live in tune with you, who do what you ask, God, even if it makes no sense. God, help us to believe that you will give us the courage to, That you will give us the strength and that you will grow our capacity, God, to do the things that you've called us to do. God, as we get ready to have some silence, God, and then take communion together as a church. God, would you encourage our hearts that this city, this world will be changed through the obedience of your followers. People that say yes to you in the small, the small day-to-day decisions, and in the, in the big ways as well, God. It's faithfulness day by day, Lord. So I pray as we have this time of silence, God, that you would speak and help us, Lord, to listen and respond appropriately.